If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Meryl Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 91 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we're going to be telling the story of a secret token and how it proved the ownership of a horse. But first, I want to give a big welcome to any new listeners and indeed any returning listeners. Thank you so much for your new or continued support. Please do head over to Instagram and follow me at Fireside Bard. It's the best place to get in touch and see what's going on with me and the podcast. If you don't have Instagram, you can get in touch via email at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast where you can join our growing community of very kind benefactors it is totally there as an egalitarian model of kindness you don't have to contribute to the patreon if you can't or if you don't want to it's there if you want to but i just want to no new patrons for this week so just want to give another thank you to this month's latest patrons and to our two that joined uh, or three that joined last week who are andrew hallanan matthew hill and jeff Angevine. They have joined, I hope I pronounced that right, Jeff. They have joined our list, our growing community of very kind benefactors. And if you want to be one of those people, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast. But this week, I it is this is probably the earliest in the morning I have ever recorded an episode of Fireside. I'm still trying to find a new rhythm. It for the longest period of the last couple of years. I usually would come in first thing on a Monday morning into here into the Head Stuff Podcast Network Studios in Dublin. I'd come in first thing on a Monday morning. It was always a great way to start the week, come in and get an episode recorded. But since the the pandemic and the lockdown, we've all been trying to find our own new rhythms and try and get back into our old ones when we can. So regular listeners of the podcast will know that I was recording from home in my home setup studio which was great. It's always, I was able to take the podcast on the road as well. I always love being able to do the podcast whenever and wherever, but it has been so fantastic getting to come back up to Dublin into the studio. They're just, even aside from the beautiful equipment and the surroundings, there's just an atmosphere where it just feels like this is where the podcast is home and where I can be the most comfortable and relaxed. And it's great to be back here in it. But we're still trying to find our new rhythm of when and where. So I've been 
messing around with a couple of times. And mostly it's just because I've still been up and down to to between Wicklow and Dublin a lot. But no more as I've actually made the difficult decision to give up my apartment in Dublin temporarily. It just didn't make a huge lot of sense still to be in Dublin when there is still so little going on in the arts. There's a fantastic thing going around. Of course, there there is hardly a profession in the world that has not been affected by by the pandemic. But there's a thing going around for a kind of artist support fund that uh, said that we were the first to close and we'll be the last to reopen. And I think that that is a very fair point and that really does surmise it, certainly in terms of live entertainment. So I'm going to head back down to Wicklow, stick the head down, work away, develop more. This uh, There's a lot of big things to come with Fireside, so that's all to come. But... I'm still going to, to the best of my ability, because Wicklow's only a neighbouring county to Dublin, anyone who is not from Ireland to know. But it, uh, I still am going to try and stick in the studio because it's a nice thing to be able to come. Although if I can, because it's looking like Dublin is going to go back into lockdown now. Like I'm recording this episode. I hope that you're listening to this episode in a year's time. Jesus, when I was recording the first episodes in lockdown, which was back in March... I was saying, I hope that you're listening to this podcast in six months a year and this is all just in past. Well, we are six months in now and we're still not even nearly out of the woods. It's looking like Dublin's going to go back into lockdown now, into quarantine. So I may have to record remotely for the next couple of weeks, but we're going to get through it. Of course we are. And thank you to each and every person who has messaged me over the over the lockdown to with support, those who've supported the Patreon because of it, and even those who've just sent me a message to say that this was a podcast that you listened to on your walk each day or that it was able to give you some moment of solace in the solitude. So thank you so much for that. But I say all this more as a thing to, like I've been saying, that this podcast has been the one thing that I have been able to keep going and it's been a great source of comfort and uh, to me as well. And so I'm delighted it has been to all of you as well. But to get to this week's episode, we're back to a folktale. We're continuing our revision of Sean O'Sullivan's book of folktales of Ireland. This is one of the last folktales in the book. It was a very recent discovery. It was originally titled uh, Secret Tokens Prove Ownership. But I uh, gave it a snappier title of just The Secret Token. And it is, yeah, again, I love I love a story where I discover a new custom, you know, a custom that I haven't come across anywhere else. And I wonder when, if ever, it's a one, once-off, you know, or is there a precedent? And nearly always, these things are not totally random, you know, there is a, a precedent for them. So I'd be very interested if anyone has heard any story like this or any any occurrence in, in lore or in their family's history where they heard of a similar story, which will all make sense when I tell the story. So I'm going to get down to it now. But this is The Secret Token on Fireside. The Secret Token In the days where Irish folk lived and died on the warnings of folk tales, wandering was a primary occupation. There were bards and storytellers to entertain you, beggars for you to take pity on, and unfortunately, thieves to rob you and your family blind of what little you had. 
And once upon a time in the townland of Ballyborn, County Galway, a poor scholar was wandering at night in search of lodgings. The scholar saw a home with a horse at the back, and thinking that they seemed to be a family with something to their name, knocked on the door. A man and his son lived in the house, and they welcomed the scholar inside. As fortune would have it, the horse that belonged to the man and the son was a mare, and she was heavily pregnant. To thank the family for their kind hospitality, the scholar said he would go out back into the cold night and feed the mare before they said good night. The scholar went out and lived up to his name, for he soon returned to the house and said, I think your mare is going to deliver this night. The man went out and knew his own horse. The scholar was right. That foal was on the way. But as the man and his son prepared to deliver the infant horse, the scholar began to act strangely. It was not uncommon for storytellers and wise folk to be thought to have otherworldly powers. They were the ones gifted with memory, and who could ever tell what they remembered or from how long ago? The scholar spoke. Is that foal coming? Oh, it is, said the man. Is there any chance you could delay the birth at all? What do you mean? Of course not. That foal is coming whether we like it or not. Why do you ask such a question? I ask because I'm trying to think of a solution. I tell you now, two men will die because of that foal. But with my help, it need not be you, and it need not be your son. Before any mystery could be revealed, the mare went into labour and gave birth to a male. When the foal was already wobbling around on its brand new legs, the scholar asked the man to cut the smallest slit in the foal's forehead, just large enough to fit a silver coin. The farmer chose to heed the bizarre request of his house guest. A cut was made, to a mild shriek and jerk from the foal, the coin was inserted and the wound sewed up. The next morning the scholar thanked the man and his son for their generosity and was on his way. Some years later, when that foal had grown into a young stallion, he began to catch the eyes of rubberneckers passing by the house. The man feared for his family's safety and how exposed the prized horse was, and his fears were justified when one night they awoke and the horse had been stolen. The man was determined to go into Galway City and find the culprit who had kidnapped his horse. Don't worry, I'll go with you, said his son. You will not, said the father. I need you to stay here. No one knows that horse more than me, da. Let me come. So father and son went in search of their kidnapped horse. On the outskirts of the city of tribes, the father and son passed a lane leading to a blacksmith's forge. As they continued along the path, they saw a well-dressed gentleman mounted on one horse and pulling another. The son looked in suspicion at the towed horse as they turned the corner and went toward the forge. Dad, that was our horse. Are you sure? Let's walk to the blacksmith. See for yourself, 
the thief doesn't know what we look like anyway. So the man and his boy went to the forge. The blacksmith inside was already at work reshoeing the two horses. It was raining, and when the smith looked out and saw the man and his son gazing inside, he invited them to warm themselves by his forge's fire. They thanked him, dried off, and watched the smith work. When the rain had stopped and their clothes had dried, they thanked the blacksmith and continued down the road. When they were safely out of earshot, the father said to his son, That's our horse, all right. And so they went to the peelers, that is to say, to the authorities. They found the station in Galway City and said that a gentleman had stolen their beloved horse. The peelers went to the smithy who told them who the gentleman was. They went straight to the gentleman's house, and a gentleman indeed he seemed. His home was far larger and more grand than the father and son had ever seen, and this man had many horses, but none so beautiful as the one the pair claimed was theirs. But when the police tried to arrest the gentleman, he invited the two men who worked for him to be his witness. The two men claimed that they had worked for the gentleman for a number of years and had been present at the foal's birth. They said the gent was wealthy, and what reason could he possibly have for stealing a horse from the poor? And so the peelers believed the gentleman and his two alibis. The poor father and son were arrested instead for lying to the authorities and were sentenced to hang. It was a simpler and harsher time. A scaffold was erected near the Spanish arch. Two carts were piled on top of one another and a noose was tied. But as the father prepared to mount the scaffold, he looked out into the assembled crowd. The gentleman was there and he was mounted on the man's stolen horse. He had come to the hanging to gloat. And it's just as well he did, for as the man stood about to be hanged, he remembered something. And then he shouted to the authorities, I and my son will gladly hang if there is not a silver coin sewn into the forehead of that horse. The farce had already gone this far. What harm in it reaching its natural conclusion? A knife was produced and the hole cut in the horse's forehead and there was the coin. The secret token proved ownership. The father and son were released, and the two men who had lied for their employer were hanged instead, thus fulfilling the poor scholar's prediction that the horse would be the death of two men. With the silver coin, he had protected the father and son who had sheltered him. The gentleman, however, escaped scot-free and lived the rest of his days in comfort, because that's how these things work, unfortunately. But let's not think on that. Let's instead remember the horse. The End Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. 
Hello everyone and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honours the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll. Character actor is a supporting actor who specialises in playing unusual, interesting or eccentric characters. For whatever reason, these performers are less concerned with being stars. Because of that, they often take supporting roles in big movies or only play leads in indie films or TV. They're less concerned with their image. They can bounce between heroes or villains. They're chameleons and they often disappear into each role. So you might know the faces, but you might not know the names. So subscribe to us wherever you keep subscribed for podcasts and be on the lookout for that to come. And until then, uh, see you later, cinephiles. Bye-bye. And that was the tale of the secret token on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, I've never encountered this idea of secret tokens proving ownership before. This rather graphic uh, image of cutting a cutting a slit in a hole in a foal's foal's forehead about where the the I was I imagine about where the the diamond usually is the diamond shape that that some horses get in their forehead cutting a little slit in there slipping in a little coin or something of the kind and sewing it back up but it must have been it must go back to a days of with with horses and livestock and cattle and everything that you know, you wouldn't have had deeds, presumably. You wouldn't be able to prove ownership in, in many ways. I mean, even today, you go out to to the countryside and particularly particularly go out to like the west of Ireland if you're off the coast of Ackle and you just see sheep on, lone sheep on mountain sides, you know, spread miles and miles apart from each other. And we're still using... You know, some of them are tagged, but a lot of them were still using the uh, spray paint technique, and you know, spray paint washes off. So, of course, we're not e- we're not even in the days of spray paint in the time of this story. So, I imagine there must have been some kind of precedent for this. Hopefully, there was some other methods than just cutting this slit. But it is very clever, and that's uh, why I thought this this tale caught my eye. The name caught my eye particularly. It's from. Uh, it's from the final chapter of Sean O'Sullivan's book of folk tales, or rather, it's my adaptation of 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 a story from that. I've stuck fairly closely to it, and more just kind of fleshed out a few a few elements to it. Of course, the most interesting aspect is it um, is it's kind of uh, it reminds me a lot of the Princess Bride. There's been a couple of echoes in that. We had the the rodents of unusual sizes, the RUSs before from the. The swamp of despair is it, but here we have something very like Prince Humperdinck at the end, where we have these two henchmen who are hanged instead of the gentleman, and the gentleman getting away. <laughs> the this folk tale, in a rare occurrence, seems to be making quite a socio-political commentary, which isn't the original tale. That isn't one I invented. I just did add the commentary to it that that's just how these things work. There's kind of no qualification for it in the story. The The gentleman is never mentioned again. You know, it it implies how was he, as if it's ridiculous to have ever supposed that he would be hanged instead of his two, his two compatriots, his two workmen, you know. It it makes the the tale decides to make this comment that the rich and the powerful are the ones who get away with this kind of thing, and it's a rare element, kind of morbid element or a depressing element to see in a tale. But it reminds me a lot of in the Princess Bride, which does end happily. I've, I suppose, spoiler alert. 
I suppose there's not too much of a spoiler alert to say there's an element where where the villain doesn't die. Um, Prince Humperdinck doesn't die and it flashes back and forth. The whole, if anyone hasn't seen it, if that's, if Prince Humperdinck not dying is a spoiler for The Princess Bride, you've missed the point or you're going to miss the point if you think that is. But basically... If you haven't seen it or read it, the book's incredible as well by William Goldman. Um, it is it is framed as a story, so it's a grandfather telling his uh, his grandson, who is a young Fred Savage, the story of the Princess Bride, and so it's constantly flashing back. It's an incredible framing device, it's constantly flashing back between the two, and it really it evokes that that wonderful feeling of oral storytelling of being read a bedtime story and so of course it has these interjections where where the kid will ask his grandfather's like oh this is boring or like don't get to like can we skip the kissing part or keep going you know and he gets very irate at the end because he, he asks you know who gets humperdink who gets humperdink and the grandfather is just like nobody he lives and that's it's so infuriating to the young child who can't understand that. And it's wonderful because it, The Princess Bride evokes, of course, you know, grim fairy tales and swashbuckling tales and a very black and white scenario where it is simply good versus evil. But it, it in a very subtle, nuanced way, introduces the more complexities, the more real-life aspects of it. And one of those is that, yes, it has a happy ending, but uh, that that doesn't necessarily mean that the bad guy just dies. You know, at the end of the day, Prince Humperdinck is royalty. And in a very, very minor way, this this story reminded me of that as well, of, the of course, this, this gentleman who can just go around stealing horses of course, he wasn't going to be the one to get in trouble, and yeah, it makes you wonder how many other, how many other horses he has stolen from. Tindrian, this is the first one I've encountered where we've had stories where it's been a wandering, a wandering storyteller, wandering bard, a wandering beggar. It's the first time I've encountered a, a a poor a poor scholar, and that's an interesting aspect. You you picture scholars usually having. Maybe some money. But I suppose there's a... It's always a student, like... And students are always poor. Yeah, I suppose they spend it other times in books. It was just an interesting, different... Different character to have... To have at the beginning here. Walking along a road at night. God, it must have been... Just imagine walking the back roads of Ireland in the early 1800s. No wonder the amount of these stories came from then. There must have been some serious rogues and rascals and renegades about the place... I think that's about about all there is to say. It's a short short tale. It was a fun one to do, um, especially in the density of of Brian Baru and the Norse invaders at the moment. The tales are are proving a lovely respite to the density of adapting early Irish and middle middle age Irish history and lore. It. Uh, Again, I I say that when it was the same when I had to adapt the 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 myths as well. I usually have to follow text quite closely, or just to be very careful that I don't go very wrong. But increasingly, and the more the more of them I write, the better I I get at this, or or the easier I find it. Um, I don't know if the results are necessarily as good. I hope that they are. 
but where I just with the folktales I try to just read it once and then just just write it as it goes. And these tales, particularly in this Folktales of Ireland book, they are they have been the best for that, where you just really get the the bones of them indented. They feel very grim fairy tale in that they feel very stock. And there's a wonderful freedom in that. You feel a freedom that you can go anywhere you want or add any details you want and not feel that you're steering well off course, which you can in the mythology, because as much as the mythology constantly contradicts itself, there is a, a more gospel text and more of a through line to it. And there are more consequences because it is a much bigger picture, whereas the folktales are much more bottled. They're much more self-contained. So I'm going to wrap things up there, but thank you so much for listening to episode 91. What happened in 1991? Did Daniel Day-Lewis win his first Oscar from My Left Foot? No, I think that might have been 89, was it? 89 or 90? Try to think, now that we're in like the uh, the 90s episode, which was the decade I was born in, it starts to become a decade that I'm very familiar with. So it'll be interesting next year. I was born in 1992, so episode 92 very special. They'll all be very special as we count down the fireside clock to 100 episodes. I can't wait. I said we'd be a big boy podcast when we're a year old, but it would definitely be a big boy podcast when we're at 100 episodes. And yeah, and there's a good few. I hate being that drip feeding like hashtag watch this space, but there's... There is a lot of stuff ticking over, and uh, which is exciting, especially especially in this year that has taken away so much from so many of us, and particularly in the arts. But there is a lot ticking over, and Fireside is hopefully only going to get strong, going from strength to strength, and we've got so, so, so much ahead of us in terms of live performance and in the podcast. So stick with us. Please do follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bar. Oh yeah, that's actually a thing. Unfortunately, by the time this comes out, it'll be over because I'm recording this on Thursday. This won't come out until next Wednesday. Um, Mother Folklore, which is another podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network, which was the first Headstuff ne- uh, Network podcast I listened to and the first one I was a huge fan of and made me really want to make work with Headstuff uh, it's about it's about Irish words and Irish words and words in Irish. It is run by Derek O'Shea, who runs the Irish Vore Twitter. He does very Trojan work over on Twitter, where he talks about all the weird and wonderful translations of new and old world words in Irish. And he wrote these two incredible books called Mother Folklore and Crack Baby. I don't know if there's a third one yet. I hope there is. It's certainly coming. I've talked about him on the podcast before, but I've always been a huge fan of it and have maintained my fandom through this but uh, the Mother Folklore Twitter page it does a weekly curatorship where they ask a different person to curate the Twitter page for a week and I'm not a big Twitter user I have a Twitter account but I don't ever use it I I think Twitter has only been dangerous for most people on it so it's something that uh, I only get that. I only get the people from my point of view, as a non-Twitter user, I only see the people who have had their downfall from Twitter. So it's always made me quite alien to it. But Mother Folklore has an incredible following and one that I think we would share a lot of 
audience with. I'm sure there are a lot of people who listen to this podcast. I know there are some who've messaged me who've spoken about Mother Folklore as well. So I've been asked to curate the Mother Folklore pod, uh, Twitter page for the week. I'm going to be sharing all the stuff on the Instagram because the Instagram is what I run Fireside through. But it is exciting. It was really, really nice to be to be contacted by Derek and Brian, the producer. Really exciting. Like I was fan fanboying hard to get and uh, we're hopefully going to going to sort out me coming on, going on Mother Folklore or maybe Dark or one of the lads coming on Fireside because it's, I think we're oh, we're long overdue for a guest particularly. I never wanted this to be a guest-based podcast, but, you know, it'd be nice to have someone to talk to. It would be very strange, wouldn't it, instead of it just being me and the blank wall or me and the listener as it is. But I'll be finished by the time this episode comes out, but hopefully a lot of you will have seen either on Twitter or on Instagram and I'll be uploading a lot of stuff onto my stories. But hopefully it'll be a lovely chance for us to reach a, a wider audience again, get a lot of new listeners to the back catalogue and to catch up with us as we continue our journey through Irish lore and mythology and into other Celtic worlds. But yes, I just want to have a big thank you to to Derek and Brian and all the Mother Folklore people. It's been a great boost uh, to to be curating it and... Yeah, it's nerve-wracking. I'm learning how to do a tweet. Doing a Twitter is a different game. I can just about do an Instagram post, but it's uh, it's different getting back into with the text, which you'd think I'd be, as a writer, a little bit more comfortable with, but start getting them nice and contained, you know. But I just want to give a shout about that. So, yes, follow follow me on Instagram at firesidebard uh, email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you aren't on that and if you really want to support the podcast please do so over at fires- patreon.com forward slash firesidepodcast remember the arts for the first to close and the last to reopen but it is there entirely as an egalitarian model of sign kindness this podcast means so much to me just to do and that people listen to it at all is huge so it's there if you want to but it is not going anywhere so thanks so much to Alan, Paddy and Connor. Everyone ahead stuff to Jamie, my producer, uh, for editing. And I'll see you all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This podcast is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Head Stuff Plus. 